Hello, Dale Partridge here. You're listening to an episode from the Real Christianity Archive. Veronica and I originally began this podcast under the name Ultimate Marriage as a resource for our online marriage mentor program found at ultimatemarriage.com. While our marriage program is still a critical part of our ministry, after about 30 episodes, we decided to change the name of this podcast to Real Christianity as a way to widen the scope of our biblical content. That said, these are some of our most popular episodes, so please enjoy and stay with us on the journey to bring the church back to the Bible. Welcome to Ultimate Marriage. Today, we are going to be talking about how mature Christians view biblical modesty. So, um, biblical modesty, not a real popular (laughs) conversation to have. As you guys know, on this show, we confront a lot of the things that most of the church ignores ignores or is Mm. is not willing to confront. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... uh, yeah, we're going to be talking about biblical modesty. And for some of you, you might have seen my post that I did on Instagram. If you guys don't follow me on Instagram, I write several times a week on these kind of biblical topics. But I posted on biblical modesty. And uh, while we had, you know, over almost 5,000, I think over 5,000 by the time you guys see this, 5,000 likes on the post, there was a lot of really intense comments mm-hmm. and a lot of people disliking the conversation. Um a couple things before we get started today. Uh, subscribe on YouTube if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, we do have this available for you guys in video format. And um, if you're uh, watching video, then subscribe on your podcast app. This show is available everywhere. So it's available on all types of you know, Android devices as well. So, um, uh, And also, if you guys would be willing to leave us a review, we are currently, I think the highest rated or I should say most rated Christian marriage podcast on iTunes. And it's because you guys are awesome and you guys were willing to make uh, or to rate us and review us. And this content is getting out to the masses. And so if you're willing to just go into your iTunes app and just tap the stars, you don't even need to write anything, but if you do write something, we will look at it. Um, A couple of things before we get started we have a marriage retreat that we do twice per year mm-hmm. and we've done one. Yep. Um, we've and got the other one coming up in about a week and a half. Yes. Mm-hmm. And these are what we call the ultimate marriage retreat. It's three days with us, 15 couples. It's very intimate. We go super deep on marriage. It's actually more intended for healthy couples, healthy Christian couples, uh, to become stronger so that they can lead other Christian couples. Yeah, they just want to get a little bit deeper, a little bit stronger in their faith and in their marriages at the same time. Yeah, and it's a beautiful uh, place that we do this. We do this at uh, the Sun River Resort. So this is um, awesome food. Everybody has their own cabin. It's beautiful. Yeah, fireplace. Anyways. On the river. Yeah. And mountain views. And mountain views. Just (laughs) saying. Just saying. (laughs) If you guys are interested in coming to one of our events or one of our retreats, just go to ultimatemarriage.com forward slash retreat. It is $2,000. Now, I know that might freak everybody out, but it is one of those things where it's an investment into your marriage. We, we do a lot of awesome stuff. It's a really nice place. We have really nice food. 
Um, and so that covers their lodging and their food, though. Everything and covered. the program. And yeah. Yeah. Covers, so it's all covered. Everything's covered there. Except your flight. Obviously. Except your flight. <laughs> that's the only thing that's not covered. So, um, yeah, I'll let Veronica kind of get started with the conversation on modesty and we'll walk you through. Be patient with this conversation. So stay with us. It's going to be a little bit of a longer show mm-hmm. than normal because it's a big topic and we don't want to just touch on it real quick. We got to go pretty deep with you guys today. So um, a lot of you guys are probably wondering, why are we talking about modesty in a marriage podcast? Um, And we decided to talk about it because as a wife and mother, um, I and you, if you're a wife and a mother, set the example for singles and uh, for how our daughters are to dress Mm -hmm. and um, to adorn themselves. And then secondly, um, unfortunately, a great majority of divorces are a result of sexual sin. Sexual sin and modesty are deeply connected. There's no denying that. Now, bear with me. Now, now, um, I'm not saying that all divorces are the result of an immodestly dressed man or woman, but they are connected. Yeah, and there's totally a huge connection between, you know, we can't deny that immodesty is becoming a very regular part of the culture. Mm -hmm. We can't deny that we do have a pornography problem, especially with the men. Um, we can't deny that Hollywood is influencing and culture is influencing the church more than the church is influencing the culture and in the way that we we dress and present ourselves. Um, so a couple things. In 2014, Veronica wrote an incredibly viral post, um, which is so funny because Veronica hates the attention. Till this day, like I'm cringing right now that you're even bringing this up. So she wrote a, a blog post on her blog that she doesn't hardly ever write on. Like uh, once a year, maybe. <laughs> yeah. Titled, um, why I chose to no longer wear leggings. And it was just her own personal conviction and testimony about that. I wasn't shaming anyone. I wasn't telling everybody this is what you should do. This is just what this I'm doing. Just what my story on it. Yeah. And so anyways, I shared it because I was so proud of her. And without I, telling me. Without telling me. I just shared it on Because if you would have told Facebook me, page. I would have said, no, you're not sharing that. <laughs> I shared it on, on Facebook. And then all of a sudden, um, like a day later, there's like hundreds of thousands of people that have seen this article. And Good Morning America calls us. And I mean, it was as viral as something can go. Uh, CNN, you know, HSN, Fox, like it was big. And... Um, it sparked an international conversation around the topic of modesty. And you should have seen the worldwide defensiveness. It was amazing, actually, in terms of just how defensive the culture got. Now, there was lots of women that were absolutely just supportive. But it was, and men, too. And mm-hmm. men, too. Mm-hmm. Matt Walsh actually wrote an article about this. This is before Matt Walsh was, you know, as big as he is. Um, and... But it was a big deal. There was actually some really nasty stuff going on, really bad comments coming back. I mean, it was the point where Veronica was crying just about every night in terms of the defensiveness and the the vulgarity and the intensity and the aggressiveness Mm -hmm. that was coming from this conversation. So, um, Yeah, not something I enjoy remembering about, but it happened. It happened. And it was a really important... It shows that it's a really important conversation. It's a hot topic for sure. It's a hot topic. Yeah. So, yeah. And I would say when that happened, the number one response was like, why are you blaming women? I should be able to wear whatever I want. That's a big thing that we hear all the time. Like I should be able to wear whatever I want. It's the man's fault. He needs to work on his self-control. Yeah. Um, It's not my problem. 
Um, or, or another one that I got a lot was, well, the men are going to look anyway. Yeah. And uh, so it's, let's just say if uh, a woman, you're at the park with your kids and a woman walks into the park, you know, you've got little boys or girls too. Um, yeah. a woman walks into the park topless. Is it the man's job or everyone else's responsibility to not look? Yeah. Is it just the man's job to not look? No, no, no. It's, mm-hmm. it's, that's part of his job. Like he needs to have self-control in his own spirit to turn away. Yeah. It's biblical, or I should say sexuality mm-hmm. is responsible. We are, we are both mm-hmm. husband and wife, man and woman are responsible for sexuality. Mm-hmm. It's not just the man's job. It's not just the woman's job. It's both jobs. And so both of us can't deny that responsibility. Yeah. And I'm speaking to the women here as I am a woman. So I think it's important for us as women to remember that female modesty is not just for the men, but it is also for the preteens, the young children, 12, 13, 14 year olds who are going through puberty for the young boy who's going through puberty and who's really struggling with all these new hormones that he's experiencing. And for the young girl who's in junior high and and already struggling with body image issues and how her body's changing and what it should look like and how she should dress it. Um, so it's important for both sides. We always think that, that, I mean, I think the common conversation is that like, yeah, the 25 year old man shouldn't be looking. He should have self-control. Okay, cool. Yeah. He should have self-control and I get that. Um, but are we also thinking about the 12 year old boy who just entered into puberty Mm -hmm. and he's trying to like gauge his grounds here, you know, find his kind of his balance, you know, his footing, especially the young men, um, who are Christians already, who are young believers and they're struggling, they're stumbling and they're just like, I don't, I don't know what to do. Yeah. And they're trying, this is all new to them. This is all new territory. And again, like as Veronica said, the young women, the young 12, Mm -hmm. 13 year old girls who are trying to keep up. Well, and their bodies are changing so much at that age too. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. so, it's so sad. So anyways, that's just a part of that, that conversation. Um, but again, a lot of defensiveness comes around this conversation and I want to say something. There's a quote, um, I believe it's GK Chesterton. It says that the kingdom of self is heavily defended territory. And when people get defensive, especially in the church about the conversation of mod- modesty, well, it's, it's a selfish act when you're defensive about something, the heart, the godly biblical man or woman, when the conversation, and we're going to talk to the men too, uh, the topic of modesty comes up or any topic, it should be like, oh, wait, what am I, do I not know something? Like, tell me more. What does the word say about this? Because we should be wanting to yield to the scripture, even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's unpopular, um, even if it's, we don't understand it all the way. So I'm going to give you guys just some scriptural conversation. Veronica will chime in, but, um, I got a little section here for you guys. So um, Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter, chapters 8 through 10, get your Bibles out sometime today and read it. And if you want to pull a commentary up and understand it a little bit more, I've taught through almost the entire book of 1 Corinthians in terms of sermon by sermon to sermon every chapter. And I've studied these chapters extensively. And chapters 8 and 10 are the concept of Paul saying that... Um, your liberties, your rights to do certain things, to dress certain ways, to eat certain foods, to drink certain drinks, these certain rights that, that we have as Christians, these freedoms that we have, um, if they cause another brother or sister to stumble, Paul says that we should forfeit our liberty. Mm -hmm. The idea is that your love 
for your other brothers and sisters in Christ will limit your liberties. And that's why the person who's maybe struggling with alcoholism, you don't drink when you're around that guy. Right. The guy that just got off the pornography addiction, uh, you don't take him down to the beach where there's half naked women in bikinis that day. Like that, you, you're, you're careful about that. And we are responsible for not causing our brothers and sisters to stumble. And I'm actually going to tell you the scripture that says that for sure. Mm-hmm. It's 1 Corinthians 8 verse 12, and I'm going to read it. It says, but when you thus sin against the brethren and wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. We have the ability as Christians to wound the conscience of another brother or sister. And we are to be very careful that we don't do that. Jesus says uh, in his, uh, and in, in I think it's two of the gospels, Matthew and possibly John, um, any one of you who leads one of these little ones astray who believe in me or causes them to stumble, it is better for him to get a millstone wrapped around his neck and thrown to the bottom of the sea. The little ones is the little ones in faith. And so we are responsible for that. And this kind of level of self-awareness of how my actions uh, will affect other people and other brothers is great evidence of your love for others. I was just going to say that. Yeah, it's actually the, it's exactly what you said. It's the loving thing to do. Yeah. To protect, if you care about your brother or sister's spiritual walk, then it is loving to be mindful of their weaknesses and how to protect them from those things. Yeah, and it's this is a mature perspective that much of the church doesn't have and hasn't seen. Yeah, and it's not just in the modesty conversation. Like you said, it's the alcohol conversation, the pornography conversation, somebody who's struggling with gluttony, food. What you it, know, yeah. it's just like be you know portion control when you're around them or something. It's in every aspect. Yeah, and so... Um, now, for some reason, the conversation of modesty has been essentially erased from the pulpit in America. And I, you know, if you walk into any relatively popular church today, and we've been to lots of big churches um, in our marriage, mm-hmm. and um, you're going to see generally two types of immodesty. You're going to see guys wearing low cut, like wide neck shirts with tattoos, kind of like tight pants, like where their situation has got like imprinted. Situation. I'm, 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 I'm serious. That's a crazy thing. And, and you know, the, the pastors walk, like just necklaces and chains necklaces and, and bras- just bracelets, showing whatever. like, look at me materialism almost. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like just kind of look at me, you know, um, draw the attention to me kind of thing, which is just, again, that is how men are immodest. Um, And then you're going to see women wearing like workout attire, leggings, um, you know, and a few people don't think that leggings are different than jeans. I'm here to tell you that's not true. Um, There are not Instagram accounts on looking at girls in jeans. There are probably hundreds of Instagram accounts of looking at women in leggings. It is a sexual difference to a man. And, um, it's the difference between jeans and leggings or the difference between uh, a woman wearing a bra and not wearing a bra in terms of just the, the outline of the woman's body. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, we'll talk more about that. I'm not saying that you can't wear leggings. Veronica wears leggings, but not in certain places. Um, she doesn't wear them out about. She wears them at home. Mm-hmm. She'll wear them under a dress, things like that. We'll talk about that in a little bit. 
Um, but you know, girls wearing short skirts, girls wearing, you know, like just a fashionable kind of really intense high fashion kind of look at church in terms of just the drawing the attention to me, like focus on me. Crop tops I've seen girls wearing at church, giant backless dresses, like just again, I don't want to turn this into a conversation about what you can and cannot wear. This is a conversation about a heart. It's a heart issue. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a heart issue. And so, um, and I think this is the problem. And I, Veronica is going to have some more things to say here in a, mm-hmm. in a bit. I just have a kind of a big section of notes that I wanted to talk through here. Uh, I think the problem lies in this. Christians are looking to other Christians to determine what's appropriate to wear or to do instead of looking at Christ and God's word on what's appropriate to wear and to do. And so we, we kind of acclimate to the status quo in the church. If you walk into a church and the women dress a certain way, then people that are new to the church will start dressing that way. If, you know, that, that's just kind of the, if the men are at a certain level of biblical maturity, then that's kind of where everybody will end up at biblical maturity. But the Bible doesn't tell us to gauge morality by looking to the church. It says to gauge morality by looking to Christ and looking to God's word. And what we need to realize is that choice of clothing is connected eternally in our faith. It, it, it is an eternal matter. And it's hard to, to believe that. I actually, a friend of mine who's a pastor down in San Diego, um, Evan Wickham, he actually has a, uh, uh, a, a new church plant down there. Um, and he, he just sent me a book. He says there's a book called The Biblical Theology of Clothing. So clothing's a big deal in terms mm-hmm. of, of, of how important it is. Um, and you know, one thing that I, I wrote down, it's, this is a note that I, I found online. I thought it was really well written. It says the purpose of clothing is for what we're trying to cover up, not what we're trying to reveal, you know, and what we're trying to cover up is our sexual parts. Hey everyone, thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, We wanted to quickly tell you about our one-year online marriage mentor program. Yeah, Dale and I designed a powerful biblical curriculum with 12 themes, one for each month. Every 30 days, Dale and I will teach a live 90-minute lesson on that month's theme and also provide a weekly challenge PDF to incorporate those teachings directly into your marriage. Yeah, so it's an incredible program where we cover everything from sex and money to uh, children and roles, but more than that, it's also an incredible community. And you'll have access to our private Facebook group um, and the Ultimate Marriage text message line where Veronica and I can send you weekly encouragements and wisdom straight to your phone. But the catch is this. We only open registration for a few weeks per year, uh, two times per year. So if you're interested in building an awesome marriage, then sign up to be notified about our next enrollment period at ultimatemarriage.com. Now let's get back to the show. What did Adam and Eve cover up when they found out about their sin? They didn't cover up their arm. Yeah, they suddenly realized they were naked and yeah. they covered their bodies. They sewed fig leaves around their genitals, okay? <laughs> That's what they did, right? And, um, and your sexuality is for one person. It's for your spouse. You know, uh, my sexuality is for Veronica. Veronica's sexuality is for me. And the idea of clothing is the art of covering those things up in a classy and elegant way. So, Yeah, and it's important to remember that there's there's no such thing as bad clothing, maybe fashionably, but there's no such thing as bad clothing, just inappropriate times to wear them. Yes. So, yeah. yeah and that, that's important. Like if you, 
you know, if you're a wife and you want to wear something for your husband, that's fine mm-hmm. at home. Right. You know? Like I personally don't wear leggings out and about grocery shopping or just around town. Um, if I'm working out at home, I'll wear them. Yeah. Um, I actually did try and work out the other day in my jeans and it was extremely impossible. So, <laughs> so yeah, I was, um, if I'm working out at home, yeah, I'll wear leggings um, or I'll wear them under a dress, like you said earlier, um, but never by themselves in public. That's just a personal preference. That's, you know. Yeah, like it's said. just a personal preference, yeah. yeah. And ladies, trust me, you're not going to stand before the Lord and have him say, why were you so modest? Why were you so concerned about what you were wearing? <laughs> I think I don't think God uh, would say that in his character. Um but if you're going to err on any side of the discussion, mm-hmm. I personally would just rather be safe than sorry. Yeah. Um, and so I think it's also important to remember that men are highly visual. Yeah. Right. Wouldn't you I agree? mean, like, yeah, th- yeah this any, is, this is, well, a, a, I can tell you from experience, any yeah. married woman, at least in my case, I will, t- I can tell you that if I'm wearing something that like leggings or something that. Dale finds attractive, I'm yeah. going to be touched probably a thousand times more that day than any other day that week. Yeah. And I, and, we know this is true of several couples in our community, oh yeah. mm-hmm. you know, and, and, uh, yeah. It's, so it's not like an anomaly to us. Yeah. And men, yeah. Men being visual is just a fact. Yeah. It's not something that we're making up to try and put blame on the men. It's just, it's just a fact. That's how they were created. And, um, I'm not sure if some women are maybe just like oblivious to that fact because women generally are not visual. Like yeah. men, I mean, we can be driving down the road and see men jogging topless and just keep driving, like not even think about it. Yeah. Um, and so, or if they're just kind of in denial. Yeah. And I mean, the, the, the reality is, is, um, you know, men are really visual and it's why millions of men will spend millions of dollars buying the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition. It's why millions of men spend billions of dollars on pornography websites. And if you like, there is research on this and very little money is spent on by women, by women. Yeah. Mm -hmm. To pay to see men who are disrobed. Okay. It's just (laughs) like, they are out there. It's just a way smaller percentage in comparison to men. Yeah. It's like putting uh, an anthill next to Mount Everest in terms of the difference. Like Mm -hmm. men are so much more absolutely driven visually. And there's so much science to prove that, to prove that point. Mm -hmm. Um, An interesting fact uh, is that in the 1940s, the indecent exposure laws that were just secular, I'm talking, this is a secular law, not even a church law. If you were to wear a bikini, the bikinis (laughs) that we see today at the beach in 1940, you would go to jail. You'd be mm-hmm. arrested and you'd go to jail for indecent exposure. And this was a secular law. And if you don't believe that, go ask your grandmother. Okay, I promise you that that, that is the, re- there's actually photos of this, of people getting arrested for, for wearing something like that. I'm not saying that that's right or wrong. I'm just saying is that that is what's happening. And you know, if God's standards of morality and modesty feel so far away today, who moved? Us or God? Hmm. Yeah, God didn't move. We've moved. We've become comfortable. We've normalized. Um, we've, we've allowed the, the secularization of the culture become normal in our spirits and in the church. And we've, we have satisfied our flesh. We have. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. We Instead sat. of doing what satisfies God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is generally the opposite of our flesh. Yeah. Generally. <laughs> okay. This is an interesting way I'm going to lead into this section here. There is a, I found a blog post written by a gentleman who's probably in his early twenties, who was a college student. Now it's a couple paragraphs and he writes his testimony of modesty from a man's perspective. And it was really well-written and I think it's important for the ladies to hear. And I want you ladies specifically to pay attention. And men, I think you'll probably be nodding your heads. Yes, yes. And again, we're not picking on the ladies today. Um, this is a conversation about biblical wives influence their daughters, influence the other single women. Mm-hmm. And it starts in marriage. Right. Well, we hit the men a lot. We very rarely hit the women with a topic and... This is, it happens to be a sensitive one for a lot of women. Yeah. So it's, you know, if we're going to be talking to the men harshly or sternly, I should say, um, according to the scriptures, then we got, we got to read our mail too. Yeah. So I'm going to read this to you guys right now. And I want you to pay attention. This gentleman says each and every day is a battle, a battle against my sin, a battle against temptation, a battle against my depraved mind. Every morning, I have to cry out for mercy, strength, and a renewed conviction to flee sexual lusts. The Spirit is faithful to bring me to a renewal, and I need to prepare and to bring me to the renewal I need to prepare me to do war against my sin. Yet the temptation still exists. I am thankful that God has made me attracted to women. However, campus is a loaded minefield. There are girls everywhere, and it's guaranteed that I will pass attractive girls as I walk between classes. I either have to be actively engaging my mind and my spirit to praying, quoting scripture, listening to worship music, or simply looking at the sidewalk to make it through unscathed. Many days, it takes all four to be safe. Sometimes when I see a girl provocatively dressed, I say to myself, she probably doesn't know that 101 guys are going to devour her in their minds today. But then again, maybe she does. To be honest, I don't know the truth, the truth of why she chooses to dress the way that she does. All I know is that the way she presents herself to the world is bait for my sinful mind to latch onto, and I need to avoid it at all costs. The thing women do not seem to fully grasp is that the temptation toward lust does not stop for us as men. It is continual. It is aggressive. It does all it can to lead men down to spiritual death. They have a choice to either help or deter its goal. For the most part, the church serves as a sanctuary from the continual barrage of temptation towards sin. However, the church's members are not free from sin yet. And there are girls both ignorant and knowledgeable of men's sinful tendencies. I must confess that even in church can have several minds scattered about. I fully understand that the responsibility of lust is not theirs, but mine. But their good choices do support my walk with Christ. Consider this as my appeal on behalf of all men to help deter the goal of lust in our lives. And so a powerful piece of just a real testimony from a real young man. And I believe that's actually very accurate to most men, to most Christian men. I was listening to sermons as preparing this, listening to John Piper and Tim Keller and Paul Washer and Vody Bauckham and different guys that I really respect. And all of them have said, that they've preached before. And in the front row, a woman is totally immodestly dressed to the point where they had to turn away. Um, 
a few days ago, we attended an event and there was a woman singing and uh, a Christian woman singing Christian songs dressed in an immodest outfit, incredibly immodest. And I couldn't look at her. I had to look the other way. And so it's not just me. It's guys like John Piper and Tim Keller and Vody Bauckham, like the strongest of Christian men that we have today. This is a real reality. And I just want the ladies to understand that. Yeah. And as a woman, I know that there's just an, a tremendous amount of pressure on the women today to look a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, but as Christian women, we're not to be of this world. We're supposed to look different. Yeah. And we're supposed to look to the example of, um, of scripture that scripture provides for our definition of modesty. Yeah. Um, and so with that said, um, what does the Bible say about modesty? So I'll read a couple of scriptures here. And this, this says more than this. These are just a couple that we brought up. Yeah. So first we're going to read um, 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. I'm going to move this here so I can speak in my microphone still. Um, Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in proper clothing with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women to profess godliness with good works. And then the next scripture is 1 Peter 3, 3 through 4. Do not let your adorning be external, the braiding of hair or the putting on of gold, of gold jewelry or the clothing you wear, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit in which God's sight is very precious. Yeah. Um, so a few things just to kind of break those down together and Veronica can chime in with me. Mm-hmm. Um, when it's talking about the braiding of hair and jewelry, um, it could be talking about that literally. Most theologians believe that's what it's saying is that the emphasis of like, are you really trying to draw attention to yourself um, instead of putting the attention to God? Is the glory coming to you? I think that's the general theme, I guess, what, what I'm talking about there. Um, because if you want to glorify God, um, he does want you to adorn yourself as a, as a woman and a man. You know, but he wants you to adorn yourself in a certain way. So, so what are we to adorn ourselves with, ladies? What are what 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 are the scriptures calling? If and if you want to argue with this, you're arguing with the Bible. You're not arguing with me and Veronica here. But as a Christian woman, should go. I want to know what the Bible says about these matters, because I want to serve Christ and I want to do what glorifies Him. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's generally a challenging thing. A gentle and quiet spirit. Yeah, right? <laughs> yeah, talk about that in the face of the feminism culture that is fighting hard today. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so I'll break these down a, couple, a little bit here. So First Timothy, when it says, likewise, also that the women should adorn themselves in proper clothing with modesty. It implies that, one, you can have improper clothing. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of logical fact right there, that there is improper clothing. Um, and... It says with modesty, like with, in that word modesty is closely related to humility. Is that like humbling yourself in a way of your dress? Like it's not about me. It doesn't mean that you have to look ugly. Mm-mm. Look cute. For My wife dresses super cute and she looks beautiful and elegant. Um, but she's also humble in the way that she, she dresses. Um, and 
a good rule is that if your clothing is a frame for your face, then it's godly. Um, if it draws people to look to your face, then it's godly. If if your clothing is a frame to reveal your body or to accentuate your body or sexuality, then it's sensual. And the it's Bible a distraction, yeah, from what people should be looking to. Yeah, you don't want to be known for your butt or for your your you know your breasts. Like, and again, I understand that women have curves, like that we can't hide these things. And I'm not saying that you need to, you know, cover them up in a trash bag. Um, um, but, but that sensuality is not beauty. It's not eloquence. It's not femininity. It's, it's a gross kind of sexual desire, um, that has become so comfortable in the church and so comfortable in the culture. And so, um, you want to take this topic on self-control? Sure. (laughs) Um, so let's see if just in a, as an example, if you have lost some weight, that's generally a great and wonderful thing. And we're happy and proud of you for reaching your goals. Um, but it, ask yourself, is it wise to show everyone on Instagram to post it on all of your social media out, outlets in, in your in, in, underwear. In, in revealing clothing, typically sports bra and shorts or something. But yes, I have seen bra and underwear before. Um, just ask yourself, is this, is this a wise thing to be doing? Yeah. Sure, share about it, talk about it, but be mindful in the way that you present it. Um, or if your butt looks fit, you've been doing lots of squats and you're getting real nice and toned, does that mean that you have to show everybody on your social media platforms? No. Yeah. These these parts of your body are sacred. Mm-hmm. They're holy. They're separate. They're, the, in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 7 is that says that I don't have authority over my own body, but my wife does. And my wife doesn't have authority over her, bo- her own body, but I do. Mm-hmm. It's that the Lord also, it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I think, um, or it could be chapter 6, it says, for you are not your own. You were bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Mm-hmm. Your body, you don't get to go do what you want with it. The Lord died for you, and he owns your body. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's the temple of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And then your spouse owns your body next. Yeah, and so Christian women, we have to stop allowing, Christian women have to stop allowing themselves to be treated and viewed in a way that is not dignified. So if I generally don't typically struggle with, I was kind of like a tomboy my whole life, so I've never really been super edgy in the way that I dress. I'm just not naturally that way. Um, but if for some reason I'm touching on this just because I know I'll probably have people writing me and asking me, um, if for some reason I am a little bit questionable about something that I'm wearing, um, I'll ask Dale. I'm Mm -hmm. like, Hey, does, is this okay? Or is this a little bit like immodest? Should I change? Um, I probably ask you that question maybe twice a year. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, if you are, maybe going to be going on the journey of trying to dress a little bit more modest and you're unsure, ask your husband or ask your brother or ask your dad, ask a man that you can trust that will give you an honest answer Yeah. or a girlfriend too. But yeah, generally a dad, a brother will, will be pretty honest. A your male. husband, a yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. We'll, um, we'll that's notice. not going to look at you in a sexual way. <laughs> yeah. Um, to help you out there. 
Yeah, I think that's a really good point. And it's been very good. And it's, what a humble thing to do. And husbands. There have actually been times where you tell me, you're like, oh no, I think that's fine. I'm just like, well, I'm still uncomfortable. I'm going to go change. Yeah. And and husbands, you know, you get to, to help your wife gauge those moments. And I, as a husband, want to protect my wife. I don't want other men looking at my wife in a sexual manner. I don't want that at all. I want to protect her body from the eyes. I don't want her being eye candy to some other man's imagination. And husbands, you need to, you know, you're a man. Don't play the fool with me because I understand, you know, you're a man. So pay attention to those moments. And wives, if you can't receive a correction, a loving correction from your own husband, you got a big problem. And, and that's a problem that you need to confront of humility is because it's out of love. That's his body he's looking at. Um, that's the Lord's body. And so deep stuff. All right. The rest of those scriptures I'm going to break down a little bit. So it talks about that you can adorn yourself. The Lord actually wants you to adorn yourself in certain ways. And he, he wants you to adorn you with, um, this is, uh, he wants you to adorn you with righteousness. Like adorn yourself with righteousness, with good works, with humility, with a, um, reserved body. You know, I, I just think there's something very mature about a woman who reserves her body for her husband. I, we have single guy friends who just find that so attractive when it's like she's protecting her body so that the only person that gets to see it in that manner is her husband, mm-hmm. whoever that may be. Um, and it also says that modesty could also be in the form of kind of character. It's talking about, in First Peter, it says, um, but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart, which is imperishable beauty, of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is in God's sight is very precious. Okay, so if you're an assertive kind of, I want to be the focal point of the room, some of that might be part of the character that the Lord gave you, but we have to put some of that stuff into control of the doctrines of the scriptures and, and realize that we're not overextending our own gifting there. Are you assertive? Are you being modest in your character? Men and women here on that. Um, and we see this all the time. The guys are, there's so many ways that guys are mostly immodest in their pride and just being like talking about their achievements and, and like flaunting, you know, like that's where men come out and it's, it's gross. It's unattractive to women. Um, it's prideful, it's arrogance and just kind of this look at me kind of personality is not godly. Um, the Bible says that the man, that he opposes the proud. Mm. How much opposition do you want, men? Um, and uh, I'm going to just close this with a post that I wrote two years ago. And um, I think it's a good way to, to close this. And then we're going to have our Q&A session. Um, <clears throat> I wrote, men, we live in a time and a world of women who advertise a time in which very little of the female body is left to the imagination, a time which requires more self-control than ever. As visual and mental opportunities approach, don't let the seeds of adultery or the thoughts of greener grass enter your mind. An honorable man understands that when he guards his eyes, he shields his heart. 
And ladies, remember that what attracts a man's attention isn't always what attracts his respect. And what turns his head almost never turns his heart. Sexual responsibility is for both men and women. Each day you walk outside, remember your commitments to your family and to Christ. And so, um, any closing thoughts? I know the, the main question Veronica gets asked is, where do you buy your clothes? And all those kind of practical <laughs> questions. Um, Pretty much just anywhere I see something I like. <laughs> I'm just not super into fashion. Yeah. And so I'm just like, oh, that's cute. I'll pick it up if I'm at like Gap or Old Navy Target. <laughs> those are kind of my go-to spots, I guess. <laughs> We also live in a small town. There's not like many places to choose from and here. And we're, we're also entering into winter. Woohoo. You know, which is Sweater just. Sweater weather. Yeah, gentr- generally more modest time. But we grew up in Southern California, mm-hmm. you know, where modesty is like a big deal. We lived two blocks away from the beach before I moved here. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just half naked people almost all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. The women are typically half naked and have, not all of them, and have. Uh, some form of plastic surgery and the men are generally pretty flashy and drive super nice cars. And yeah, at least that's where we had lived. Yeah, totally. Mm -hmm. So let's move on to the question section of our time and where we generally answer two questions. We're going to answer one because, uh, we've been long today. All right, Dale, this question for you as a man, I am not a man, but the person who wrote this is yes. (laughs) as a man, (laughs) How should I deal with the temptation of lust? Um, okay. All right. I think your first point right here is really important yeah. to emphasize because I don't think we realized this point until a mentor said it to us. Yeah. So temptation is not sin. Satan is really good at making your temptation feel like sin. You should feel like he wants you to feel dirty because you were tempted. Um, Jesus was tempted in Hebrews four. It says, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus was tempted in the, in the 40 days in the, in the wilderness, um, and probably in a variety of ways through his ministry. Um, temptation is not sin. Um, a couple things I want to say to you, uh, men who, need to know how to deal with the temptation of lust. Uh, We know that Jesus says that adultery begins in the head before it occurs in the bed. And we know that the idea is that adultery starts in the heart. Um, You can commit adultery in your heart. You can commit bloodless murder. You can, all these things. He's he's kind of taking these physical things and making them heart issues. Um, One statement that's really important that was uh, just kind of handed down to me from the guy who discipled me. It says that sin doesn't happen to us. We choose it. Uh, we are not a victim to sin, but we are victors over our sin. Mm-hmm. So keep that in mind. That it, the scriptures say that we are more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Um, and I want to uh, break down, you know what? I, it's funny. We're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 10, 13, and I don't even have it up on, on my notes. So I'm going to pull it up here on my phone right now. And we're going to read, this is the core scripture. If you want to beat sin in your life, this scripture, I probably have it memorized, but because we're, yeah, I was going to say, I'm surprised that you didn't just spew it off. Cause you, I heard you say it so many times. Yeah. Um, but I think it's important that I read it specifically and I might get a word or two wrong here. Um, so we're going to just read it together. All right. Um, 
First Corinthians ten thirteen, critical scripture for mm-hmm. you for all people, all Christians to know if you're wanting to re- to overcome sin, if you're having struggle with sin, especially with pornography or lust or whatever it might be. Okay, it says no temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Okay, I'm going to break this down real quick and we'll close off. No temptation has overtaken you except such as is common to man. Ladies, gentlemen, your temptation to sin isn't special. It's not unique to just you. It, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know what, guys? You know how many men before you have struggled with wanting to look at women? Billions. Do you want to know how many women have struggled with, you know, uh, gossip or anger or whatever it is? Billions. Your sin isn't, your, your temptation to sin isn't special. And that what that's, that's what that scripture is saying. No temptation has overtaken you except that's common. Like it's common stuff here. Like this isn't special stuff. Mm. Um, it says, but God is faithful. He hasn't left you. Even how gross we are sometimes, he hasn't left us. Um, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able So just stop right there. That is a promise. God will not allow you to be tempted beyond your ability to reject it. Mm -hmm. And that's a really important truth that you need to believe. If you believe wrong, you'll never live strong. And if you believe correctly, you'll walk this out and be free in the true gospel. And it says, uh, but God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? I know you know what it is. How often can we win? Every time. This is the core. There's always a way out of your temptation. Always. So if there's a chance to lust, this scripture is lying if there's not a way out. For example, the, just the scenario I tend to think of is um, a man can't help how a woman dresses. So if for some reason you walk past a woman who is immodestly dressed mm-hmm. and you have eyes, you know, you're, you're going to see her. That quick interaction where you see her, that's not sin. No. The temptation is not sin. The second look yes. is where you can fall into sin. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. And and so the Lord makes a way out for us. This is a promise. Is that God's not God's faithful will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able, but with the temptation will also make the way of escape that you may be able to bear it. You could win on your sin every single time. Now, will you? No. We're not perfect. I'm not preaching perfection here. But the reality is is that we can. Mm-hmm. And that is something that we need to have power in. God says, be holy as I am holy. He doesn't give us doctrine and instruction that is impossible to follow. No, we can be holy. We can walk without sin during the day. Now, you might sin here and there, you know, but you might be able to pull off a day, two, three, without just sinning. I think that's actually not preached that often, but I'm not going to say a certain amount of time, but... 
But yeah, if somebody were to ask you, are you going to sin today? And you say, yeah, probably you're starting out your day with the wrong mindset. Yeah. You're, you're opening up the day defeated. Yeah. You need to go, no, I'm not going to sin today. Yeah. (laughs) If Veronica asked me if I'm going to sin tomorrow, I'm going to tell her, no, I'm not going to sin tomorrow. And if I do, I'm going to repent. But the reality is, is that no, my, my, I don't wake up defeated as going, yeah, I'm going to sin tomorrow. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that's how this gross gospel that is in the church today. Like it, we're, that we're just broken, nasty sinners. And like, no, we were once sinners is what the scripture talks about. We don't identify as sinners. We were sinners. Yeah. <laughs> we identify as saints. Now, do we sin? Yes. Do we have a way out? Yes. And so, um, heavy conversation today. But I believe it will be edifying to those who are yielded to the Holy Spirit and to Christ. And how this applies to your marriage, I hope that you ladies, wives, um, can be the godly representation. It says Titus 2, let the older women teach the younger women how to love their husbands, love their children, to walk out a godly life. Mm -hmm. So we have a memory verse this week. Memory verse is 1 Timothy 2, 9 and 10. Likewise, also that women should adorn themselves in proper clothing with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair and gold or pearls or costly attire, but with what is proper for women who profess godliness with good works. Yeah, so let's try to memorize that scripture. That scripture is talking generally in the context of, of church, um, and that's how you should be dressing at church. Um, but the first Peter one is outside of the context of church. So you get to kind of do the study on it for those of you that are theologians and listening to the show. Um, a couple things, if this show was edifying to you, would you guys leave a review again? Would you tap the stars on iTunes just to, to let us know that you're enjoying the content? And, uh, again, this show will be available uh, on ultimatemarriage.com if you just go to the podcast section. And this is episode number 12. Um, and you can watch the videos there and download all the notes and all the scripture references and the quotes that we have from today's show. They will all be available for you guys there. Um, so any, with that being said. Anything else? Good night. Good night, yeah. <laughs> we're, we're filming in our garage here uh, at nine something o'clock at it's night. 9.50. 9.50, mm-hmm. yeah. We're doing the late night. Kids are, kids are in bed. So again, guys, we will see you next week. Thank you for joining us on this episode of Ultimate Marriage. If you're homesick for a stronger marriage, visit our website at ultimatemarriage.com and consider enrolling in our one-year online marriage mentor program. Also, if you're interested in learning more about building a better marriage, follow Veronica and I on social media, where each week we share tips, tricks, and lessons on building a biblical marriage. 